you are listening to the Health Freak Podcast, your number one resource for inspiring, insightful, and thought-provoking conversations and information on all things health and wellness. My name is Kelly, and I am the host and creator of Health Freak, and it is my mission to help others become more mindful and form healthier habits. Thank you for taking the time to listen and to be open to learning. And if you are enjoying the show, please take a minute, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating, a review, some comments. It is very much appreciated. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome to the podcast. Today's episode is all about plant-based eating. So what that means, how it can be beneficial to your health, and some simple ways to get started. I'm very excited about this one because as you know, I'm very passionate about this way of eating and having personally benefited so much from it and also having seen how it has helped so many other people. I'm really happy to share it with you and hopefully inspire you to begin focusing on adding more plants into your life. Don't worry, I will not tell you that you need to become vegan. My only goal here is to bring you this information at a time when I feel like we really, really need it and offer some advice as to how we can do this and why. But before that, I'm going to vent for a hot second because it's, you know, just my life. It's my podcast and I'll cry if I want to. Sleep. So if you know me or I'm sure I've mentioned here before, you know, I've been struggling with sleep because of my daughter, my cute, adorable, crazy little daughter. She is having a lot of sleep troubles And please don't tell me to try to cry it out. We've done it. It's not going to work. It's all good. We're figuring it out. But I'm only mentioning this to say that when I, I notice that when I don't sleep, I have all these other things coming up. Like I'll have a little breakout or a little bit of digestive trouble. And it just kind of reminds me to keep all of the other aspects of my health in rotation. And I'm sharing that with you to kind of remind you that if you have something going on in your health and your health regimen that's a little bit out of your control for a period of time it's going to be in your best interest and i'm saying this to you to remind you and i'm saying it out loud to remind me it's going to be in your best interest to really get a good grip on what you can control so that might be something like what you eat in your activity level and your stress and other things like that so yeah for me i can't control that my daughter isn't sleeping well and that we're up with her constantly but I can control what I eat and I can control if I am active. And that does not include any sort of intense workouts lately because I just honestly don't have the energy, but it does include a long walk every day and, um, you know, at least some sort of movement, nothing too crazy unless I have a sudden burst and I want to kick it up a notch. But yeah, super important to not let one thing drag everything else down. Yes, I definitely know it's easier said than done, but just to remind you and encourage you, to keep that in your mind and saying, okay, well, I'm not sleeping well. I'm a little bit stressed. Try not to let everything else go to shit because it's not going to help. You know what I mean? If you can at least, you know, get your water in and get your eating down, um, you're going to be way better off. So the term plant-based has been gaining a lot of popularity recently. And that makes me really happy because it means more people might be exposed to this way of eating or feel compelled to try it. And I also know that that might turn some people off because when something becomes trendy, people might see it as just another diet, just another fad diet. But you definitely should know that eating plant-based is not a diet. It's not a temporary solution to a weight problem or another condition. It's not temporary. It's really a way of eating that is super sustainable over time. 
And it's really the way we're naturally supposed to eat. So I know that the people who are into like paleo and keto and stuff are going to come at me and say, caveman, and they ate this and they ate meat. But if you really think about that, those people were not scoring these huge kills on a daily basis and feasting on elk and buffalo and all this amazing meat. They weren't. Well, one, they didn't have much of a long lifespan. I think the average lifespan was like 27. They also consumed around 100 grams of fiber a day. So that's impossible if all they're eating is meat. That's impossible. Because like I said, they weren't getting these huge kills of meat. They were basically eating meat when they could, and they were living off the land. So they were eating such a large variety of plant foods, and they were getting all that fiber from the plants. So let me start by defining what plant-based really means. And I know I'm going to be throwing a lot of like labels and names at you, and I really hate that, but it might clear up some confusion because we hear all these labels uh, around us in the media and stuff like that. So I want to just clear some of that up. So plant-based is not necessarily synonymous with vegan. And I think that's a big point of confusion for a lot of people. It can be the same if that's, well, you know, if that's what you choose to do. But vegan means that you don't eat any animal products or animal byproducts. It's not necessarily that you eat plant-based because you could really eat nothing but Oreos and shit and sugar and like just junk food and still be vegan because that stuff doesn't have animal product in it, but it's not based in plants. It's also not very healthy. It doesn't, you're not eating foods that contribute to health. So to eat plant-based means that your meals are based on around plants. So it's based around anything that comes from the earth, like fruit, vegetables of any kind, whole grains, um, potatoes, and other starchy carbohydrate vegetables like squash and things like that. You also have nuts and natural nut butters made from those nuts. You have seeds like hemp seeds, flax seeds, chia seeds, beans, legumes, lentils, chickpeas, peas, and soy and all that stuff. So really a more comprehensive term, if you want one, is whole food plant-based because it really emphasizes the part about eating whole foods, unprocessed foods or minimally processed foods. So whole food plant-based eaters generally will stay away from processed foods, animal products, including dairy and refined sugar. So if you're listening to this and you're like, this sounds great, I would love to do this, but I love eggs like shit, like I really love eggs. That's okay. This is not to say that you need to completely cut out animal products to still be plant-based. It kind of just means that you need to change you know, your thought process around the building of your meals and maybe not make the animal product the main focus of those meals. But you can still get all the benefits of a plant-based diet and from those foods when you add them into your diet. The most important thing to note with this is that if you're considering a switch to a whole food plant-based diet, as you can see, the emphasis is really on what you can add into your diet. It's not about cutting things out. Yes, you're probably going to cut out the processed food and the sugar and probably a lot of animal products, if not all. But when you can really think about what you're adding in, it makes it more enjoyable and it kind of opens you up to just a whole new world of foods and flavors that you might not have been used to before. I can personally tell you that when I switched to eating this way, I mean, it took me some time to figure it out because I had never even heard of tempeh and let alone have cooked it. But my cooking has gone to the next level. Like I'm so much more experimental and creative and it's so much more flavorful and it's so quick. Like these meals do not take a lot of time. I don't have a lot of time and I hate spending a lot of time in the kitchen. Like I'm not going to whip up something fancy, but it tastes fancy and sometimes it looks fancy. 
Okay, so why is this an issue? Why do we here in America not realize that this is the best way to eat? Yes, we all know, we all hear all the time, we should eat more fruit and vegetables. But this information gets jumbled around in our head because we're always hearing all these things about these crazy diets that tell you to cut out fruit. Fruit is bad. Don't eat fruit. Cut carbs. Carbs are bad. Don't even look at a potato. It's confusing. You know, in America, most of us are used to what is known as a standard American diet. So if you're not sure what that means, just look at any restaurant that offers, quote, American style food. What does that usually consist of? It's usually burgers, fries, cheesy, melty sandwiches, wings, and other fried foods and meats and cheeses. And you know what? Listen, after a night out of drinking or whatever, yeah, those foods can feel like heaven. It could feel like they've been served to you on like a beautiful silver plate from the angels of Applebee's or whatever. But they're definitely not healthy. They're definitely not contributing to our overall health, especially in the long run. It's really the opposite. They are kind of taking away from your health when those are the foods that you're eating on a regular basis. But to really break down the standard American diet, it generally will consist of large amounts of red meat, processed meats like bacon and sausages, prepackaged foods, sweet stuff like candy and pastries and cookies and cakes and all that stuff, fried foods, butter, conventionally raised animal products, high fat dairy products, eggs and refined grains. And then we've of course got the sugary drinks, the sodas and the juices and all that stuff. It's very low in fruit, vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds. And those are the foods that we really emphasize on the whole food plant-based diet. So essentially when we're eating the standard American diet, we're consuming food that is very high in calories, but very low in nutrients. So for example, red meat and dairy, yeah, they contain protein, but they also contain very high amounts of saturated fat and don't offer much in the way of micronutrients like vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants, all the stuff that we get from these more natural plant foods. So why should we care? What does this even matter? You know, if I'm a healthy weight, why do I care? And I say that because I think somewhere along the line, we started equating weight with health. And you can be thin and be completely unhealthy. You can be, you know, larger and be very healthy. You're not necessarily healthy because you're thinner and you're not necessarily unhealthy because you're a little bit larger. Okay. So what are the benefits of adopting a whole food plant-based diet? So let's start with this one concern. The number one concern for a lot of people is probably weight. So research has shown that people who eat primarily plant-based diets tend to have lower rates of obesity, among other things such as heart disease and diabetes. But we're going to get to that in a minute. Plant-based diets are generally very high in fiber, which is something that, again, in America, we're dramatically deficient in. I mean, for women, it's recommended that we get around 25 grams per day of fiber and men around 38. But the average in America among adults is around 13 to 18 grams, which is so, so low. And like I said, the people before us, the people that the paleo crowd loves to compare us to, they were getting around 100 grams a day. Easy. So when you're eating foods that are filled with fiber and even some extra water content from fruit, you're going to feel fuller longer and you're going to increase your energy use or your calories while at rest. So again, these foods are nutrient dense as opposed to the sugary and processed foods, which are calorically dense, but not nutritionally dense. These foods tend to be lowering calories like vegetables and fruit and so much more 
nutritionally dense, okay? So I want to talk about a few conditions that are very prevalent in our country and that, you know, so many people walk around with not even knowing that they have. And I think that's a very scary thing. And I want to shed light on this because they're also very preventable things. So the leading cause of death in America is heart disease. And I want to mention a study from 2019 um, from the Journal of the American Heart Association that determined that, quote, diets higher in plant foods and lower in animal foods were associated with a lower risk of cardiovascular morbidity and mortality in general populations. So I will link this study and any other studies that I might mention in the show notes on my website. So you could check that out. Um, It's GoHealthFreak.com. So anyway, during this study, the people who consumed higher intakes of fruit, vegetables, fiber, polyunsaturated fats, and many more micronutrients also consumed lower intakes of red and processed meat, and therefore they consumed less saturated fat. So all of this contributes to a lower risk of cardiovascular disease by lowering blood pressure, LDL cholesterol, reducing inflammation, and improving glycemic control. So all of that is from that study. Like I said, I'll link that in the show notes and you can check it out. Um, And some of the risk factors for cardiovascular disease are obesity, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, and these were far, far less in the people who consumed a whole food plant-based diet. So I want to... um, segue into talking about diabetes or insulin resistance because insulin resistance can cause a lot of conditions such as heart attacks, heart disease. So plant-based diets can be such an amazing tool to reduce the risk of developing diabetes as well as helping manage it and reversing insulin resistance. Okay. I just think that's so fascinating. And something that is very sad and very scary is that diabetes continues to increase significantly in our country in recent years. And we're seeing it diabetes in young kids, 10 year old kids who are getting type two diabetes. And it's just, it sucks because it's so preventable. The good thing is that it can be reversible too. If you're somebody who has had type two diabetes for like 25 years, you may not completely reverse it, but you can definitely decrease your medication and kind of improve your condition. But type two diabetes is really caused by diet and lifestyle factors. So as I mentioned a minute ago, insulin resistance can lead to prediabetes, type 2 diabetes, as well as strokes, cancer, cardiovascular disease. Something that was kind of alarming when I read this was that 38% of adults have prediabetes. So that step right before you have type 2 diabetes. And there are plenty of people walking around with prediabetes or probably even type two that aren't even aware of it. So why am I talking about this in relation to food? Processed meat, processed meats like bacon and sausage and you know those things that are cured and stuff like that, they're one of the leading causes of insulin resistance, which is very shocking to some people because it's not what we hear, right? We always hear like carbs cause diabetes, sugar causes diabetes. Um, but I wanna point this out because these are the foods that we're eating thinking that they're contributing to our health. So, you know, like I said, bacon, sausage, hot dogs, cold cuts, things like that. They're everywhere. They're in our schools. They're in our hospitals. They're everywhere. So for people with diabetes who are monitoring their blood sugar, when you eat a piece of processed meat, your sugar is not going to go up because it doesn't have carbohydrates attached to it. And that's 
you know, a big reason why people think, okay, I'm good. My sugar isn't going up. This must be good for me. But diabetes is a problem of how you handle carbohydrates, how well or not your body's able to handle and metabolize the carbohydrates. It's not caused by eating carbohydrates. So when you eat the processed meat, your insulin is not doing its job. So you're insulin resistant. And then when you do have carbs, your sugar goes way up. So one, another shocking statistic that I came upon and I want to share is that one serving per day of processed meat. So something like two pieces of bacon or ham or, you know, something like that. One serving a day can increase your risk of diabetes by 37%. That's crazy. So, you know, after processed meat, it's also going to include red meat and all the sugary drinks and the sugary stuff like that. There's also some data that shows that any animal protein can increase the risk of insulin resistance, so like poultry and even fish. So if you do have type 2 or prediabetes right now, it could definitely be very beneficial for you to completely remove those foods. So I'm mentioning this because I want to get into why this even happens, because this is a very confusing thing and I want to help clear it up. So when we consume not just excess calories, yes, excess calories, but also particularly saturated fat, which is most common in those processed meat, the red meat, the animal foods, as well as dairy, it causes inflammation inside of our cells and it causes fat storage in the muscle tissue and our liver which neither are really supposed to store a lot of fat. And so essentially it blocks the insulin from getting in and doing its job. And so now you're insulin resistant and you can't metabolize those carbohydrates. So that's why when you eat a piece of fruit as someone with insulin resistance, your blood sugar is gonna go way up. But it's not the fruit's fault. It's not the fruit's fault, okay? So this can be reversed, like I said. I wanna strongly, strongly emphasize that you can manage this, you can reverse this, and you can prevent this. Um, I'm not going to go crazy on this any further because I'm going to have some more episodes down the line on this, but I do want to recommend a book that I read and it is so amazing. And I'll link it again in the show notes. Um, If I mention any other books or studies, I'll link everything for you. This book is called Mastering Diabetes. It's groundbreaking. It's written by Cyrus Kambata and Robbie Barbaro. And it's a New York Times bestseller, and it's such an amazing resource, and it's a method to reversing insulin resistance permanently through nutrition. Can't recommend this book enough. So as I move on to just briefly talking about cancer, I do want to say that my goal is not to scare anybody. I don't want you to to listen to this or to go on and watch a documentary or further educate yourself and become scared. I do strongly want you to further educate yourself to educate yourself, to have this information. You know, I only want to inspire you to learn and to figure it out for yourself and to see for yourself that this is, again, not a fad diet. This is something that contributes to your long-term health. And that's a big reason, a little tangent, but that's a big reason why I I can't get behind like these diets like keto or whatever, Weight Watchers, anything like that, because you're not learning much about nutrition, one, And B, any diet that helps you lose weight but does not contribute to your health is not a good one, okay? So you might feel differently off the bat and you're like, yeah, this is great, it's working for me. But it's it's not gonna be contributing to your overall health, especially when you're doing that dirty keto and you're just eating lots of bacon and eggs and cheese. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that's what most people are doing with a little bit of vegetables here and there. 
And just to give you one example, um, one study that I read showed that women who ate a fiber-rich diet were 25% less likely to get breast cancer later in life. So, you know, and fiber has also been shown to significantly lower the risk of colorectal cancers. So what does this have to do with food and meat? So just to give you one statistic I came across was that eating just three ounces of meat or even a little bit less than that, three ounces of processed meat each day can increase your risk of colorectal polyps by 29%. That's a lot. So basically the less red meat and processed meat you eat, the better you're going to be in the long term. So I do want to talk about gut health, which is super important. It's just one of the best things to focus on and one of my favorite things to focus on. And I'm not going to go crazy on this because I have a lot coming down the pike on the podcast about gut health. Um, but it's something we're, another thing we're hearing more and more about. Another thing that makes me very happy. And okay, so how does a plant-based diet affect our gut? You may have guessed it, fiber. So a high fiber diet promotes a healthy gut microbiome and balanced gut bacteria. Here's the thing. All plant foods contain fiber. All those foods I mentioned, the whole grains, the beans, the nuts, the seeds, the fruit, the vegetables, the potatoes, they all contain fiber. But the other thing is that only plants contain fiber. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, carnivore diet, love it, meat all day, you're going to be severely lacking fiber because those those foods do not have any fiber. So the good news, if you're somebody who's confused about carbs and are kind of afraid of them, been staying away from them, you need them. You need them very, very much because all those foods contain carbohydrates because that's where you're going to get your fiber. It's the only way to obtain adequate fiber. So like I said, the recommended daily amount of fiber for women is about 25 grams and for men is about 38 grams, and we're getting way less than that. So a good way to make sure you're getting enough fiber um, without going crazy and tracking every little thing is to try and focus on um, diversity. So what I mean by that is having all different foods in your diet, all different types of beans and legumes and chickpeas and lentils and all different vegetables, you know, spinach, broccoli, kale, asparagus, eggplants, zucchinis, other squashes, um, anything, anything and everything, lots of different fruits, variety and diversity is key. And there's a quote um, that has been attributed to Hippocrates nearly 2,500 years ago, which states that all disease begins in the gut. So you may not know this, and it's pretty interesting, and this is why I love talking about this, because it's just like, people are always like, what? Is that about 70% of our immune system lives in the gut. So when you have you know, when you have an unbalanced or a unhealthy gut microbiome, that's going to directly affect your immune system. So if you're somebody who gets sick all the time, this might resonate with you a little bit. The other thing that is pretty interesting is that 90%, about 90% of serotonin, the happy hormone is produced in the gut. So it just shows you how strong the gut brain connection is, which is very, very strong. And that's why people with a lot of gut damage will are more likely to have symptoms of anxiety and even depression. Um, so again, your gut is responsible for so many things such as sugar cravings and even food allergies or sensitivities. Um, like I said, moodiness, anxiety, even skin problems like acne and eczema and even autoimmune diseases. Okay. So if you're somebody who has, um, Crohn's disease or even ulcerative colitis, it could be a problem of some gut damage and you can 
help that. You can help yourself by eating more plants, incorporating a wide variety of plants into your diet, getting those, you know, getting your fiber up, getting your antioxidants, your vitamins, your minerals. And I have to point out, I have to mention this book and this doctor because um, I've just learned so much from listening to him um, on podcasts and from reading his book. And his name is Dr. Will Bolsowitz. You might know him as Dr. B. And he wrote the book Fiber Fueled, which I will definitely link. And this book is another one. It's a game changer. So I love to share all this with you because I wouldn't know as much as I know about this stuff without digging deep into not just studies upon studies, because I just love that stuff. But by reading these books and hearing these stories and listen, we all know that anecdotes are not science, but this stuff is backed up by science. Okay. It's, it's so interesting. It's fascinating. So the book is Fiber Fueled. You got to get that book. I'm going to link it on my website. So now that we know that plants are super important, that getting more plant foods in our diet can promote not just weight loss, but optimal health, optimal, optimal health. How do we go about that? How do we go from the standard American diet, low fiber, potentially just shitty nutritional patterns to better, more sustainable health promoting ones? Well, first, I think it's super important to take an honest assessment of where you're at. You know, you can't go from, you can't make a 180 overnight. It's not realistic. It's not sustainable. It's not fun. Um, So you have to assess where you're at. So if you're on a steady diet of like fast food, soda, cookies, chances are you're not going to be totally ready to jump into the world of super seed oatmeal and chickpea quinoa salads overnight. Okay. So you probably won't feel great either if you do that. So eating more plants means, like I said, eating more fiber, which is an amazing thing. But if you see from your current diet that you're in that lower range of fiber consumption, your daily intake is pretty low, too much too soon is not going to be good. It's going to probably cause you some discomfort, some stomach pain, some gas or bloating more than usual. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be fun. So you have to make sure that you go slow. But remember that some discomfort in the beginning is completely normal and it's okay. Your body's adjusting and you kind of have to power through, but you don't want it to be, you know, overwhelming stomach pains and things like that. So you have to go slow. And I just want to reiterate that if you're somebody who's very interested in this, but not quite there yet, and you don't want to give up all of your animal products, that's okay. You don't need to completely cut out animal products in order to add more plants into your diet. You might want to consider eating less meat. And like I said earlier, maybe not making that meat, that chicken or the steak or whatever, the main part of the meal. You might want to start thinking about that as a side, okay? Um, You know, load up your plate with brown rice and veggies and sweet potato and just have that little piece of meat on the side. And as far as dairy, um, this is a big one. I personally would recommend everybody get rid of dairy. And we'll get into that again in another episode I have coming up. But if you're not ready to completely get rid of dairy, see where you're getting your dairy and see where you can reduce it or um, replace it, substitute it. So either way, the main point of this is to get more plants. That's the goal. More plants is the goal. So I'm going to give you some tips that I think should be pretty helpful. If you're somebody, number one, who likes smoothies or even oatmeal in the morning, Um, adding fruit and vegetables and seeds to that can be really, really helpful. So for smoothies, um, I always throw in some spinach, um, some seeds, some chia seeds, hemp seeds. I throw in some almond butter. Now, if you're, I want to mention this quickly, if you're somebody who is trying to lose weight, 
be mindful of what you're throwing in because those calories can add up really, really quickly. But just in general, you can always sneak some veggies into your smoothie. So frozen cauliflower blends up really well into a smoothie and you really can't even taste it. So same as spinach, you won't even know it's there or kale or, you know, another green leafy green. They blend really well and you're sneaking in that stuff that you may not have gotten in the morning. If you're drinking your smoothie in the morning, you know, now you're getting a little bit of that serving of veggies in the morning, which is great. And like I said, throw in some chia seeds or hemp seeds, flax seeds, good to go. So the next one is to jazz up your oatmeal and you can do that in the same way. So I love to throw banana and some blueberries. I throw some chia seeds as well as hemp seeds. You know, you could do some walnuts or like I said, some almond butter. Just think outside the box with these things. See where you can add in um, all these foods. The next one is for my pasta people, the people who think that they have to stay away from pasta because it's, you know, just a useless food. And I used to think that too until I discovered the magic of whole grain pasta and even red lentil pasta, which is my favorite. But there's so many varieties out. Um, They have the red lentil, the chickpea, edamame pasta, black bean pasta, all these plant-based pastas. And if you're not ready for that or you've tried them and you don't like them, what's wrong with you? No, just kidding. Um, Go for a whole grain, just a simple whole grain pasta. You know, it's minimally processed. So it's much better than just like your standard pasta. And with this, I also want to encourage you to jazz this meal up too. Something I love to do is to take the pasta, cook the pasta, and then also tie up some vegetables. So some chopped zucchini and onion and maybe some broccoli or peppers or whatever I have like pretty much left over from the week. This is a a weekend meal usually and toss that in with the pasta. So now you've gone from essentially zero plants to, uh, you know, maybe eight, nine, 10, depending on what you put in. So that's a really good way to sneak some more plant foods into a pretty standard and easy meal. The next tip is a good one for people who like to have a sandwich, um, who, which is pretty much everybody, right? So plant up those sandwiches. So something I love to do, I do it all the time, is to take some chickpeas, smash them up, mix it up with some avocado um, and red onion. And then I throw in a little salt, a little lemon juice, um, and have that on a sprouted grain bread, something like Ezekiel bread, Ezekiel toast. Um, So good. I love this. It's such a good sandwich. Even throw some tomato on top. So if you're looking to take some meat out of your diet, um, but you're not ready to just cut it completely, try for like one day a week, like a meatless Monday. Um, And it's a good way to, it's a good opportunity to practice with other types of foods. So you're going to be able to ensure that you're getting all plants, nothing but plants for a full day. Um, And it's a good way to practice. And listen, you're going to slip up. Things are going to be hard. Things are going to be confusing. If you're not a cook, if you're not somebody who cooks, I want to encourage you to hit up YouTube and Google and Instagram and everywhere else to figure it out and to help. And listen, I'm here. If you need help, send me a message. Um, I love helping people on this journey. I am a nutritionist, so I have your back on that. But yeah, so like I was saying, you could try for like a meatless Monday and see how that goes. And then if it goes well, you feel good, you can you know, add in a second day, maybe a Friday. So a big one that is uh, a popular question that people ask me when it comes to getting rid of dairy is milk. So how to replace cow's milk. And now there are so many different options of plant-based milks out there. And it's just kind of like, which one's best? You know, I got my opinions on that, but I'll encourage you to try any and see what you like. So a great option is soy milk. Um, 
I like to put soy milk with like a little bit of stevia in my coffee. And that's that. Uh, I personally don't do the flavors like vanilla. I don't do a sweetened one because it's just not my preference. And my daughter drinks the, you know, organic unsweetened soy milk. So we just have that. But yeah, you got soy milk, almond milk, cashew milk, oat milk. Oat milk is another game changer for coffee. So try that out if you're a coffee person looking to replace a milk or a cream. Um, there's even uh, walnut milk I've tried and macadamia nut milk. Both were really good. So give those a shot. Um, the next tip I want to give you is for snacks. So a snack on fruit. I find that most people are really not eating fruit. Like I'll ask people and they're like, no, I don't even know the last time I had a piece of fruit. So any and all fruit, berries are amazing, you know, whatever you want, peaches, plums, apples, pears, mangoes, snack on that. So if you're somebody who just like mindlessly snacks on cookies or whatever throughout the day, just try to keep fruit visible. So a good tip is to put fruit, just put that fruit in a bowl where you can see it, you know, and you can keep that in the fridge if you want, or just out on the counter and just keep it visible to you. So when you go into the kitchen, you see it. If you open up the fridge, you see it. And you're more likely to snack on that. And it's also a really natural way to boost your energy because I know in the afternoon, a lot of us are a lot more likely to reach for something sugary to give us a boost when we start to have that lull. And so fruit is going to give you that natural boost. And okay, so the next one, like I said, I'm all about convenience. So I always like to stock up on canned beans, chickpeas, black beans, lentils, things like that. There's really nothing wrong with canned beans. Okay, so one tip I'll give you is to always drain them, drain the liquid and rinse them off. And then just store them in a Tupperware, keep them in the fridge, you're good to go. And that is, um, it's a really good thing to add to your meal. So I also like to batch cook, which means that I'll cook up a bunch of brown rice or potatoes and just have them in the fridge. So if you have, you know, if you've got your brown rice, you've got your chickpeas, you know you have that. Now, if you've got some frozen vegetables, you can quick heat up some spinach, some peppers, throw in some onion, throw some avocado. I mean, it's perfect. It's like a little burrito bowl, or you could do a burrito on maybe a whole grain tortilla. And when you do that, you know you're getting lots of plant foods in, lots of fiber, you're gonna feel great, you're gonna have energy, and you're not gonna feel that like heavy-itis feeling, you know what I mean, that Thanksgiving feeling. Another thing that you can do is to make a big salad. So take all your veggies, take some greens, take some beans or some chickpeas, some lemon juice, some spices, some fruit. I love to toss a peach or some strawberries in my salad, throw it all together. And this is another thing. You can make a big salad to have for your week and just grab it and go, or you just do this on the fly. It doesn't take time either way. So one thing that I need to mention, because I know it's always going to come up, is protein. Yes, you will 100% get enough protein on a plant-based diet. So most of us in America are getting way more protein than we need, okay? We do not need one. I see people, you know, telling other people that they need one gram of protein per pound of body weight, and that's a lot of protein, okay? So it's really per kilogram, and it also depends on you and your activity level and your other health issues. So there's really no one formula that fits everybody. So let's just forget about that. But yes, you will get enough protein. All plant foods contain protein. So your quinoa, your beans, your lentils, your chickpeas, your broccoli, your mushrooms, all of these foods contain protein. A protein deficiency is not going to happen to you. Okay. And if you're somebody who feels like you need more, if you're a high level athlete or you may have another health issue, then talk to your doctor. Make sure your doctor understands a little bit about nutrition and 
If not, then find somebody who does, maybe a functional nutrition practitioner or a functional medicine doctor and talk to them about this. And you know what, that goes for everything. If you want to make any big changes and if you're on any medications or you have any health conditions, even any of the ones we spoke of, definitely talk to your doctor or trusted medical professional about making these changes in your diet because you just want to make sure everything's good to go. Okay. I hope those tips helped. I do hope this episode has cleared up any confusion and maybe even encourage you to give this way of eating a shot because I would love nothing more than for all of us to be thriving, to be healthy. And at the end of the day, it's kind of fun because like I said, it makes cooking more fun. You get to be creative and experimental And there's so much out there. There's so many resources out there to help if you need recipes or ideas. And like I said, hit me up if you do need extra help. Um, You can drop me an email or a message on Instagram or through the website gohealthfreak.com. And okay, so as I said, I'm going to link all the studies and both of the books I mentioned in the show notes. You can check those out if you'd like. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you took something from it. Go forth, eat more plants, enjoy those plants, reap all the benefits, enjoy your life. I will see you guys next week. Have a great one. Thank you guys so much for listening again. If you like this episode, if you like this podcast, please connect with me. I want to hear all about it. I want to hear what you're liking, what you're wanting to hear more of. Connect with me on Instagram and share, you know, screenshots, share in your stories, tag me. And if you really like the episode and the podcast, I would love and appreciate it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave me some ratings and reviews, comments, anything you want. It definitely helps me to continue to build and grow on this platform, which I'm just having so much fun with. Thank you guys. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.